Hey team, it's Matt Rinkine here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast. My name is Matt Drinkon. And I'm your host today on this journey of overcoming challenges and sharing what is going to happen in the world next as we create this amazing future. Before we get started, I want to encourage you that you can connect with me on social media on Instagram or Facebook at Eternal Optimist Podcast Accounts. And also every morning, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., check out the live stream where I'll share some tips, tricks, and ways to live as an eternal optimist and some learnings that help me to grow and scale a business and to provide hope and a you-can-do-it-to attitude in the world. Today's episode, whew, man, it's all about staying in there, just hanging in, trying to survive and then learn to thrive again. Today, we have Mr. Gary Wilson on the show, and Gary has got a story for you, so buckle up. <laughs> First of all, Gary was born in the middle of a blizzard of 15-foot-high snow in 1963. He was literally born onto a roller coaster in the middle of a hurricane uh, in this world. He's had a number of surgeries he's overcome. He has gone through divorce, embezzlement in his company. He broke his back at the age of 47 and couldn't walk or drive or do anything. And he was in excruciating pain. And he's gonna share all that with you today. When you're having all of these challenges occur in your life almost simultaneously, right? What do you do? Well, Gary shares his thoughts his internal mantras, the questions he asked himself. He shares the story of how he went through these things. He talks about playing offense and defense and taking responsibility for the things that he created in his world. He talks about how to go with the flow when stuff just isn't going your way. When crisis hits, it's time to prepare and execute. And he does that masterfully well here. He talks about the pandemic, how that changed his entire business model. He talks about his ministry. He talks about the Monday Night Live courses that he started to share with people who are in the investment world, real estate. He talks about global uh, opportunities in real estate. Gary does so many things. Now, I want to just give you a minute here to take a shout out to his dear friend, Mike McCarthy at the end, uh, who I also know from the Front Row Dads and Go Abundance, uh, who had a great influence on his life. Gary is someone that you're going to want to meet. You're going to want to listen to. He's got some great life experiences. And when you hear him, just know he's just like the rest of us, overcoming stuff with his attitude, giving it the best he can. Every single one of us doing the same thing right now. I hope you can really relate with this conversation with Mr. Gary Wilson. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. 
with your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. I want to welcome to the show, Gary Wilson. Gary, great to have you on, my friend. How are you today? Thank you, Matt. I'm doing awesome. I appreciate you asking, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here and to give and serve. Absolutely. Well, I had such a good time on your show, and I love to have you come on our show and share your story because you have a fascinating story. And we've not gone into great depth when I was on your show about it, but I know that there's a lot to unpack. And I feel that there are going to be probably three chapters to this episode today. I'm going to ask you about something that's challenging or hard for you or something that's been difficult. And it could be something now or in the past. So something challenging. Then I'll ask you about what lessons that may have taught you whether then or you're using now, then we'll come and talk about your purpose, your why, and how you're impacting the world now. So I'd love to go all over the place with you. We even have a lightning round of questions at the end. It's going to be a good time. And uh, I say good time. I don't know if it's going to be fun for you when I ask you about what's hard, (laughs) what's challenging. Oh, some of the best lessons are found in those times of adversity. Absolutely. It is. I mean, looking back, there's things very painful. I'm very grateful for them now, you know? Hmm? What pops in your mind first, Gary, when you think about what was challenging or painful that you've oh, overcome? Man. <laughs> Several things. I mean, this is so ironic. Literally, the moment I was born, I was born in Eastern Germany, not East Germany. It was in Bavaria, right on the Czechoslovakian border in an army field clinic. And it was the middle of a blizzard. This was January 5th, 1963. There was no road traffic at all. You couldn't do it. Blizzard was 15 foot snowdrifts. So they actually flew a helicopter from Nuremberg, the closest rural hospital, to come pick up my mom to take her back where I would be born in Nuremberg. Well, that didn't happen. So they're wheeling me out to the tarmac to go into the helicopter. My mom said, I think he's coming out. The doctor lifted up the sheet and he said, yeah, he's coming out now. Went back in the field clinic and they're used to field dressings and things like that. They're not used to delivering babies. So I was born in a utility closet, an army field clinic, and they had no anything for babies. So they literally wrapped me up in one of those old army green wool blankets, you know, the army blankets, oh, yeah. so bare skin, and stuffed me in a box. And by the way, when I came out, the umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck, and the doctor dropped me so my mom couldn't see it, and he solved that problem. Then they bundled me up, put me on a helicopter with my mom in a gurney, wearing the nurse's coat. The two pilots, pilot and co-pilot, had jumpsuits on. They were worn from their jumpsuits, but the helicopters back then had no heat and very limited navigational tools, so it took us two hours to fly a 15-minute flight. My mom said, the nurse was holding me. She was screaming. My mom's going up and down. His helicopter was going left and right. And they landed. Stars and Stripes magazine was there taking pictures. In my entire life, I told people, it's been like a roller coaster ride in the middle of a hurricane. And one of the common themes of my whole life is me saying, Lord, please help me. <laughs> wow. That's how it all started. And my, I remember... One time I was having surgery as an adult. Of course, they're asking me all the surgery because I've had in accidents and stuff like that. And I'm in a doctor says, you know what? It's a miracle you're here. And he performed a surgery and there was something went wrong there. Everything was fine afterwards. And he said, you literally stuck the landing. You know, you've landed on your feet and you've done it every time. And it's been true every single time. Everything from divorce, which unfortunately half the people go through, to embezzlement. One of my biggest businesses suffered a massive attack of embezzlement from a 14-year veteran manager. Totally blown away and unexpected. But I tell you, I've been able to come through all of them, you know, through the grace of God and just literally faith. I mean, there were times where I've had a doctor tell me, you've got no hope. I actually broke my back in two places. 
when I was 47 years old. And I thought I was going to be even in one of those special vans with the controls and everything because I couldn't walk. I couldn't drive or anything. But you know what? I had a doctor that asked me the right question that got me to believe that I would walk again. He asked me, do you believe you'll walk again? And I was stunned. And I looked at him. I thought, well, he's a surgeon. He must think I'm going to walk again. So I said, well, actually, that was my answer. I said, well, if you believe I'm going to walk again, I believe I'm going to walk again. And he looked at me and he said, if you do everything I tell you to do and don't question anything, he said, I promise you, not only be walking, you'll be surfing, skiing, and everything else. And he was right. And all these things just taught me to never give up, to always have faith. You got to trust. Sometimes it is hard. How do you describe faith to somebody? It's impossible. You have to live it. But I tell you this, you just never give up. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but it's true. You know, as long as you're alive and your heart's beating, your lungs are pumping, your mind's at least somewhat functioning, I don't care how many limbs are not functioning, you're capable. And there's something you can do. There's some action you can take. Probably the best lesson I ever had was that realization, that awakening, that there's always something you can do. Wow. Gary, I don't even know where to go back and start because you've overcome (laughs) so much adversity. I mean, any one of the things that you just shared make me shake a little bit and feel like, wow, how do you overcome that? Divorce, which just sounds like incredibly emotionally painful and Mm -hmm. traumatic. And I don't even understand like the financial repercussions and everything around divorce that sounds incredibly challenging. Embezzlement, worst nightmare of any business owner other than going out of business might be finding out that trust has been severed and then breaking your back at 47. Holy cannoli, man, I'm speechless, Gary. Yeah. Well, i tell you what, the one with my property management business, I said a moment ago, you have to trust. You do have to trust. You got to trust God first and foremost, but also you got to trust other people. And it's hard when you've had things like that happen to you. But the thing is, there's a lesson there. A lesson for me was I gave up too much control. So in terms of business, never give up control, but you can give up responsibility. You can delegate responsibility, but never give up control. And that was the mistake I made. I just, I trusted too much. Where I'm guilty is I created the environment where it's easy for that person to act on temptation. And I know people argue with say, hey, they were wrong, they were guilty, blah, blah, blah. I know that. But you always play a role. Anything in your life that always involved you, this is a great lesson too. The common denominator is you're involved in every single one of them. (laughs) So there's a role you played. My role I played was I trusted too much. I gave her too much latitude and that created an environment was just too darn easy perfect example. I know somebody who still to this day is an adult who go into a parking lot, brand new $50,000, $60,000 vehicle, leave it unlocked with the key in at a convenience. And I'm like, man, you're crazy. And her answer is, well, what's the chance of somebody shooting us? Well, well, I don't care if it's one in a thousand, but why make it easy for them? Always take precautions. You got to play offense and defense. Play some defense. Don't create opportunities for other people to give in a temptation to do wrong things. We're all susceptible to it. So our job is to recognize that, accept it, and take responsibility and reduce and eliminate as many possibilities as we can of wrongdoing. The only way that evil can occur is for good people to let it happen. You know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I love the way you just use offense and defense as a frame. And I love to think about things in the same way. I'm curious how, after specifically after the embezzlement, how do you make a comeback from that and play offense and learn to trust other people again. I mean, how did you make that comeback, Gary? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it really comes down to faith. I mean, even when your hope's taken from you, you still always have faith. Faith can never be taken away. It's between you and the Almighty, and it comes from within. And I got to the point where there was really nothing else left to lose. And I thought, 
but I'm still here. I'm still here. And there's something I can do if you really do live in a state of, I call surrender, where have all your goals and plans. Believe me, I'm a master planner. I set goals like you wouldn't believe, you know, create a vision statement every year, goals, plans, the whole nine yards. But aside from things like spending time with your family and being responsible for yourself, physically, mentally, spiritually, everything else should be in pencil. Be flexible. Be willing to go with the flow a little bit. And to give an example, when you do that, God has a way of putting things in front of you at the right time, the right people, the right opportunities. So when all that was happening, I got the opportunity to travel the country teaching real estate agents how to work with real estate investors. And by the way, the same person who gave me that opportunity also introduced me to the person who eventually bought my property management business once I got it stabilized. How about them apples? And, wow. and that opportunity, that introduction came about because I went to this retreat. And actually, the day before the retreat, I called the host and I said, I can't go. I'm in absolute crisis mode and I'm $380,000 in debt and an escrow account. I mean, it's absolute flat out crisis mode. And she, God bless her, knew how to say and what to say to get me to still come out there. She said, you need to come out here because what you need is going to be here. And I did. And that's the person I'm referring to was there. And on the last night, he made the introduction for the person who bought the property management business and also opened up the door for me to start teaching all around the country. In one instance, all that changed. And it just goes to show you. We think in our small, feeble, human, mortal minds, we've got to work our proverbial you-know-what's off to dig out of these things. But the reality is, if you just pray with intention, and I mean fervently, with what you need and what you want, and put it out there to the world, the world will respond. And that's exactly what happened. In an instant, everything changed. And the rest of the is history has been great. Now, I'll lead up the pandemic created another challenge because I couldn't teach in person. That stopped everything for about a year and a half or two years. I just pivoted, used what I had, and started another version of the same thing. Always pray, please, Lord, show me the opportunity and give me the strength and the courage and the wisdom to take action. Sometimes you don't know what the results are going to be. But that's why you've got to, you always can never give up. You've got to constantly put yourself out there in the world. Share your vision with others. You never know what introduction you're going to get, what idea you're going to get from someone else. And that's literally where the big, big gains are made. The big miracles occur. I love it. You've already gone so many places. You've already given us a basic master class in how, in the face of great adversity, you, you never give up. And, and some of the thoughts behind it, as long as your heart is beating, you're capable. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd love to go back for a moment to when you talked about being flexible and kind of putting things in pencil. You know, yes. How... For someone who's such a high achiever and who's overcome so much, how did you come to have that level of flexibility? And what does that really mean to you? Put everything in pencil. Yeah. I liken it to whitewater rafting. I love whitewater rafting. What's interesting is you're going on a river, there's going to be boulders and other obstacles in a river that you can't change. You can try to steer all you want in whitewater, but that whitewater is going to take you where it wants. Your, your role is to take the blows as they come with grace and courage and strength and some faith. Give yourself permission to not fight the boulder because you're not going to win. Just bounce off of it and let the river take you. But you have an oar. You have some control. You know, you've got a brain, you've got a body, you're physically able, mentally able, and you've got an oar that you can paddle and provide some direction. The best thing you can do is go with the flow. That's the part about putting it in pencil. Have your goals, set your plans. Absolutely 100%. Don't ever give up on that. But leave some flexibility in there because you may think you got it all figured out, but 
you know, life's going to throw you some curveballs and God's going to give you some opportunities to learn and grow in a way that he wants you to. And remember, your schedule isn't necessarily his schedule, you know. So mm-hmm. that that's the faith part. You may go down a different path than you thought you were going to go down. But at the end of the day, you always end up at the right place. You always do. I mean that figuratively and literally, too. I have a Franklin planner I still use today after 30. Now, this is the 34th year I've been using a Franklin planner. And it's still literally everything up top that's in pen, prayer, meditation, exercise, visualize, spend time with my family. All those are in ink. Everything else about building the business, whatever, any anything that's in the material world is all in pencil. <laughs> and most of it gets done. But every now and then you get a big surprise and you realize, OK, I've got to let go of what I was attached to because this other person, what they need or want is more important than what I need or want in that moment. And you got to be willing to make those pivotal moves in the moment. It's a challenge. I'm not saying it's easy. This has taken years to come to these conclusions and be able to develop these skills. But another thing too is in any given day, I actually never plan every single moment. I leave chunks of time strategically throughout the day that I can use For those of our listeners, I don't know if this just got spliced together, but we just had a major technology opportunity here. It's not the biggest deal in the world. I'm looking at Gary, he's looking at me. We're not phased by this. This happens. This happens in life. We pivot all the time. Not a big deal. But what happened in the eight minutes or so that we were not talking is my daughter came in and I started to play with her. We're playing Hangman. Those of you watching on YouTube, you can see that my whiteboard's about, we're playing hangman, and she stumped me. I'm about to get hung over there, so uh, (laughs) that happened. And Gary's emailing me about computers and stuff, so hey, we're all good, and we're back. We're back. Hey, we're eternal optimists, baby. It takes more to phase us a little bit of technology snafu, right? (laughs) What's amazing is talk about a lesson in being flexible. I mean, I'm sitting here talking about being flexible, (laughs) putting everything in pencil, and then bam, you know, it's just, you can't make this stuff up. Hollywood couldn't script it if you paid him. So what I was telling people before the technology change is to make sure you put in chunks of time strategically throughout the day so that you can pivot and react. And if you need to change something, you have the time to change it. If you're completely booked up, you can't take the things that come up there and you can't absorb them. At the end of the day, it can be frustrating and defeating because you should be with your family. So I learned to do that, and I'm able to maneuver and bob and weave and shuffle things around and to get it all done. At the end of the day, I've got that sense of accomplishment. I've got green check marks everywhere, and I didn't overwhelm myself. I'm not stressed out. I'm not behind. None of that stuff. And now, a break from our show with Mr. Gary Wilson. Today's sponsor of the Eternal Optimist podcast is The Thought. How do we deal with the most challenging circumstances in our lives? Well, my friends, this is a tough one because everyone deals with it a little bit different. One way to deal with it is to continue to listen to this show with Gary and just see how he did it, how he had that incredible injury, how he willed himself to come back with a support system, people around him, how he thought about it, and how his purpose and his will transformed through this amazing and challenge that he had in his life transformed him into a man that had an even deeper purpose. It's amazing how some people, when the adversity strikes, they use it as a springboard to serve others and to be inspired to serve the world. And Gary does that so well in his life now and so well in this episode. So I encourage you to keep the antennas up and be thinking about how might you use these greatest challenges in your life as a springboard for inspiration for others, 
as a springboard to serve the world. It's happening right now in your lives, my friends, and you can use it for good. How might we do that? Now, let's get back to the show. Well, you've just lived and taught us about flexibility. And did you shut your computer down on purpose just to teach us this lesson, Gary? No, that it was, was completely. A... <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've only seen it happen once before. And it was not even no warning. No, hey, you're running out of this or it's computers. This It just stopped. <laughs> so, yes, dude, it reminds me of probably the most. I felt stress at this. This was 2019, January. Mm-hmm. I was hired to give a keynote speech, a kickoff speech. Half the company I'm talking to, it's, it's 100 and 50 salespeople of Mm -hmm. a large organization. I'm talking to them on on this virtual keynote, half of them in Israel, and then 25% New York, 25% somewhere else here in the United States. And my sound stops. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I can see them in this large room. I've got like five or six Zoom rooms that are open. I can see them in the camera. They can't hear me. And after about a minute of trying to figure this out, it came Mm -hmm. back. And then the video shut down. So now they can hear me, but they can't see me. I was super stressed out that moment in real time. And I think that's a great lesson also for me in flexibility was, hey, you know what? I yeah. cannot control the technology. I cannot control someone else's yeah. intentions. I can only learn from it. And I love that you've just championed that idea of yeah. well, trust and verify, or you can give up the response. Wait, what was the quote you said? Never give up control you can give up responsibility. Yep. I love that exactly. in, in business. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Well, there's one more challenging story that you've mentioned. I'd love to go back to that and ask you how, yep. how that happened and how you overcame that. You yep. broke your back at 47 and couldn't walk or drive. Please right. narrate that yep. experience. And But what happened from that, Gary, please? Yeah, that was one of the biggest. I will tell you one more thing to remember, everyone, is such a good lesson is when something hits, crisis hits, it's not time to panic. It's time to prepare. So the irony was, I had my backup computer ready to go. I mean, well, I wasn't exactly ready to go, but I had the computer with me. I was prepared for that, so I didn't panic. I didn't even flinch. As soon as the computer went down, I literally went to my other room, got the computer, brought it back, got on my phone so I could email you and tell you, right, while the computer was booting. Some of this stuff may sound like, hey, Gary, it's just happenstance, and I might do the same thing, or hey, Gary, I would probably panic and give up and... No, no, no. You never give up, ever. Don't ever give up. Okay, so speaking of not giving up, so I'm 47 years old. The divorce had started several months before, and I had intentionally gave up my possession of the house to my soon-to-be ex-wife because my youngest son was still there. He was a junior in high school, and for years before, she was, without going a lot of details, somewhat estranged from him. They really weren't well-connected. And I thought, I can go out there and survive anywhere, make it on my own. And I've got hundreds of rental units I can live in. And I thought, I don't want to take him out of his home and away from high school and all that stuff. But plus, she would struggle. I had to support her wherever she would go and pay somebody else rent. So I thought, I'll take the high road. Well, in any case, right after that, I went skiing and I was racing. And I was racing. And fortunately, you know, typical, I would just call myself stupid 47-year-old man, still thinking I could do what I was doing when I was was 17. So I was racing a 15-year-old. And now I was winning, (laughs) but I came around a corner. This is East Coast skiing, so it's all ice. And there was something sticking up to this thing. We don't know what it was, probably like part of a tree limb or a rock or something. And man, and I was cutting in. So I was literally laying into this corner. It flipped me like a pancake, just bam. 
And fortunately, I was wearing a helmet, but where I hit was on my face. So my face took the brunt of the blow, as you imagine, knocked me out. So they fished me out of the rocks and the trees. And at the time, I was still somewhat mobile. I was able to the wiggle fingers and toes and all that kind of stuff. But within a few hours, it was clear something was dramatically wrong. They did an x-ray, couldn't see what was going on, gave me a bunch of pills that I would never recommend anybody take, Percocet or some kind of thing like that, just ridiculous stuff. And I think they were telling me, take more, because I was calling saying, it's not working, it's getting worse. We'll take two more. Finally, at five o'clock in the morning, they took me to a hospital, was about two hours away, did an MRI. And the emergency room doctor looked at it, he said, I think we got a problem. And then right at the time, our neurosurgeon was walking by down the hallway that the emergency room doctor's wife worked for. So the emergency room attending physician, attending to me, his wife was a physician's assistant for, his name is Matt Alcotti, the neurosurgeon, and he knew, so they knew each other. He said, would you look at Mr. Wilson's MRI? I think I see something really wrong. And he was going to surgery, and he looked at it. The neurosurgeon said, yes, there is. He said, you got a break. In fact, you've got two breaks. I need to operate on you right away. He said, I'm going into surgery now, but can we do it first thing in the morning? And of course, I'm like, what can I say, you know? So they took me back in the emergency room, gave me something called Dilaudid, and I guess it just numbs everything. And I checked out. They had to resuscitate me because I had all this other stuff in my system. Then he put that on top of it, and my body just said, I'm done, which really unbelievable experience. One of the nurses that came by saw what was going on, and I guess there's some alarms that go off and things like that, and she hit this red button on a wall that starts all these things in motion. And he came in and gave me a shot of adrenaline to bring me back. And the funny thing is, Matt, man, I could see everything. In my mind's eye, I wouldn't see him visually. My eyes were closed, but I could hear everything. The day after the surgery, the nurse came. She was, Actually, she was there when he came out of surgery, by the way. We ended up dating, <laughs> oh. which was kind of neat. But I asked her, I said, you may think I'm crazy, but it was like I was up above everything watching all this. She says, a lot of people say that. I said, but I can hear things. She says, because your hearing is the last thing to go. It's closest to your brain. And I said, because I can tell you the voice I heard was the voice you're using now. I can hear you say, breathe, Mr. Wilson, breathe. She said, your hearing is the last thing to go. So that was the doctor that told me three days later when he came to visit me, I'm assuming I was pretty much going to be not walking for forever. And he said, no. He turned his chair around and sat in it backwards with his arms over the back looked at me and said, do you believe you're going to walk again? I looked at him and I said, well, if you believe I'm going to walk again, I believe I'm going to walk again. And that's when he told me, don't give up, do everything I tell you to do. And I did for months. They took my driver's license away. Finally got it back several months later. Um, I guess I can admit now I actually cheated. I'd actually started driving sooner than I was supposed to. But the thing is, I'm telling you what, guys, in that hospital room the day after surgery was the first time in a long time where I was actually still and quiet. Right. I didn't turn on the TV in the room. In fact, I worked 17 hours that day. I refused all medication. I told him I don't want any of that stuff, anything in my body. I said, I've got a business to run. I actually just started the property management business, ironically. This was years before that went into crisis mode, but I was going through a divorce. I had one kid in college, one going to college. And I thought, I have to do something. And that's what one of my lessons was. Even though I can't move, I had the use of my hands and I could think. And I worked 17 hours that day. And I helped put together two real estate transactions from a hospital bed. Started at seven in the morning. At midnight was the last thing I did. I called my daughter, Andy. She was the one who was at college to let her know I was okay. And it was the last thing I did that day. I remember the next day when I woke up, I thought, man, if I can do that in one day, just imagine what I could do in a week, in a month. 
years. So I started delegating everything and just basically being sort of a coach in the booth or a quarterback, just calling the plays. And as a result of that, the business actually took off. I made a lot of friends out of that. People just couldn't believe what I was doing. And I didn't think I was doing anything heroic or anything extraordinary, just an ordinary person. But I had to do something. And I learned that when you have to do something, guarantee you, you will. If you throw in some prayer, I mean, fervent, intentional prayer, ask for what you want, you'll start to see miracles in your life. And that started happening. I saw so many miracles in those coming months and years. I started documenting. I don't, how do you explain this to people? You know, how do you explain the right person showing up right at the right moment, saying the right thing, offering the right opportunity? How does that happen? And not just once, but multiple times. That was probably one of the biggest lessons in life is that as long as you're alive, you've got something you can do, something you can offer, some, you can serve somebody. Another lesson I learned was it wasn't all about me. And those quiet moments, I hadn't been quiet like that in years. And I've really learned it wasn't all about me. It was about everybody else. It was about my relationship with God. And I learned that nobody can help everybody, but everybody can help somebody. And one of the best things you can do to make yourself feel better is to help somebody else. So when people would have problems, I've made this promise to God. I said, I will never turn my back on another human being that needs help. And people start showing up and I would stop whatever that part about being in pencil, writing things in pencil. I would stop what I was doing and give them the time that they needed. And that was probably the biggest lesson of all. Amazing. And so when we started this episode, the first thing out of your mouth was you're here to give and to serve. And you've certainly done that with the inspiration, the story and the nuggets of wisdom today. I would love to continue to move forward in our discussion and give you the platform to share. What is it that is your daily work, your business? I'd love to let our listeners know, what is it that Gary is doing so that they can yeah. follow you, get in touch with you, partner with you? Just tell us about oh, yeah. your business and your passion now, please, Gary. Yeah. So what I did is when the pandemic hit, I obviously wasn't teaching in person anymore. And ironically, the year before 2019, I was getting tired of being on the road. It was fun. I made a lot of friends. Today, we're still friends and ate a lot of good food, a lot of nice restaurants, but it is hard being on the road. You miss so many things. So we put everything online to start going online. We were already positioned to do that. Another one of those things where how do you explain that? How did I happen to just do all that the year before, months before the pandemic hit? Built a team of real estate agents around the country. Instead of me going around to where they were, and teaching town by town, state by state for five years, literally 600 cities and towns, I just built a team out of it. I have agents. So some of the agents I've taught around the country, and we're now, I think, close to 150, and we're in 36 states. But what I did is I pivoted again. I shifted what I was doing from being one to one or one to 20 to being one to many. I'm not in production. I don't do any individual real estate transactions. In fact, I don't even do my own anymore. I just invest passively and I provide funding for investment transactions and things like that and then become equity partners and things like that. I don't own anything directly because I don't have the time for that because I devote all my time to teaching these agents how to work with investors because I want everybody to invest in real estate. Everybody should have some real estate, even if it's their own home that's building equity over the years and maybe they can house hack and rent out the additional bedrooms just to bring in some cash flow and help make the, make the bill payments. But I want everybody to have that feeling, that sense of freedom that comes from owning part of the American dream. So I became my passion is to teach the real estate agents how to work with investors because I realized most agents didn't know how to, number one. And number two is they also did not own real estate. 
And I'm thinking, my gosh, you're in the industry of real estate and you don't even own it. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. yeah. So let's solve that. So I got rid of the other businesses. I either sold or merged, got rid of all the properties and just committed myself full time to serving these agents. And the greatest lesson I ever got from Zig Ziglar was, and I'm playing as it's happening in my life right now is if you just simply help enough other people get what they want, you'll get plenty of, of what you want. And the extra key ingredient is if it's in alignment with your vision and your passion, you'll go much further, much faster. Well, my passion and my vocation happens to be real estate. That's my ministry. I teach and preach through real estate, through teaching, and I help others develop their skills, the competencies, the talents, and gain the experience because we also give them leads to get out there and not just help people buy their own homes to live in, but help the investors buy duplexes and flip homes and things like that too. It really is my platform to minister. But the way I track people is I'll teach you how to invest because that's what they think they want. And it's true. It is what they want. But also once they get to know them, I can get a feel for what they need. And that's where the ministry part comes in. So that's my ministry. That's what it comes down to. And I'll be able to merge and really just accomplish it all in one set of activities. And I wake up every day just as excited and electrically charged as I did years ago. I have not lost one iota of energy. It just drives me. It's fulfilling. Their success pulls me forward. It's crazy. I don't know how to explain it, Matt. But when I get into what's important to them, their goals become my goals. I don't know how to explain that, but that's what happens. So really, if anybody's interested, just go online, go to globalinvestoragent.com because we are global and we are investor agents. We either invest or we want to invest, but we also work with investors in addition to owner-occupants. It's part of the model. There's no strings attached. You don't you don't pay anything up front. There's little barriers to entry. All I ask is you bring me your passion, you bring me your energy, you bring me your eagerness to learn and be teachable, be coachable. Be willing to let your guard down and be taught and be coached because that's how you're going to grow. And I love it that your entire story really resonates. And what if there's someone out there that hears the story and Maybe they're intimidated or maybe they're anxious or shy or nervous and just reaching out. I just don't know how to make that first step or it's hard for me to initiate something. What could you say to the person that's maybe on the bench, they want to get in the game, they're just not sure how, what might be a simple soon step to connect with you? Well, I'll tell you what, I get it because I know what it's like out there, but I've owned a brokerage before and people are constantly trying to, hey, come to this company, hey, go to that company and whatever. So I teach a class every Monday night called Monday Night Live. It's a little play on Monday Night Football and Saturday Night Live. But we opened it up to the public about a year and a half ago because we were getting a lot of requests for people. Hey, can I invite somebody? Can I invite my brother or my neighbor as an agent? And finally, I said, you know what? Let's just open it up. It's free, number one. And you get to meet people on the team, number two and number three, is you actually get some really meaningful action steps. You know, you're going to learn. On the class, by the way, we don't sell anything. We don't recruit anybody. All are welcome, just like Jesus was inclusive, not exclusive. Anybody, I don't care what company you work for, you can stay there if you want to. But come on a class, you know, meet some of the other people in the group on the team and people from other brokerages, by the way, that may not be on the team, but they're still part of class. Yeah. No barriers to entry, takeaway, notes some things you can do to help your business. And if that what you get out of it, then I've done my job because my job is a teacher. Easy thing to do. And you can get that link on the website, by the way. You can go to globalinvestoragent.com. We wrote a book last year, by the way, called Global Investor Agent. And guess what? I didn't write the whole book. I only wrote half of it. Guess who wrote the other half? Who? Oh. Eight of the team members. So I invited oh, wow. them to be authors in the book. So you get to get their stories too. And all the proceeds 
all profit, everybody that works on this, we volunteer for what's called the Healing House Foundation. Okay. Healing House Foundation is a 5013C that allows us to give back to the community. And so all the profits, there's nobody makes any salary on this, on the book, other than the Amazon shipping, 100% goes to the Healing House Foundation. So you're doing a good turn for a neighbor that's in time of need. Everybody knows somebody who has a time of need at some time in their life. Why not be that person to be there for them? Call on the Healing House Foundation, get some funding for your loved one. So it's an amazing book, by the way. When I read it, I thought it almost brought me to tears. When I read my ancient stories, I think everybody has an amazing story. That's what's so cool about it. Everybody, you'd be surprised if some of the stuff people came through. And they're happiest people you'd ever meet, energetic. In one case, you'll get to meet them in the class because they're all there. But that's an easy thing for them to do, Matt. Just come to class. Fantastic. Gary, this has been amazing to hear these stories, to hear the overcoming the adversity, and just to feel your energy. You know, to feel your energy that you've accomplished and achieved and you still have as much, if not more, energy and drive to serve and give than you've ever had. And it's just amazing to see yeah. all the comebacks you've made. And I'm curious, is there any particular, let's say that there's a book that you've learned from or that's been something that's been inspirational or served you in your world for the last? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's, what's yeah. your book? <laughs> I, the last count, I've read over 3,000 books and I don't know how many training courses, but number one above all is the Bible. And I just want to tell everybody, I've actually studied the Gita, the Quran, the Torah, even studied Buddhism. And I didn't do it to adapt any other philosophy. I did it to learn the other philosophies. And it's amazing how much we have in common. It actually made me a lot more open and tolerant. I mean, in a positive way, like being able to understand other people. So the same lessons are in most of those major teachings, too. So, for example, the verse, ask and you shall receive. It's in all of them in one way, shape, or form. And another one, whatever it is you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it, you shall receive. It's in all of them. Now, that's the most sold book in the history of the world, more than all of the books combined. Now, the next best-selling book is Think and Grow Rich. You definitely want to read that. That is an absolute must. Boy, you got to read Think and Grow Rich. And I could go on and on. I'll give you a Two more from Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then followed it up with Cash Flow Quadrant. And by the way, the Bible, don't be intimidated, guys. Study it as a matter of learning. Make it an academic exercise. You studied history. You studied math. You studied English. You studied biology and everything. It's a book you can learn from. Go to Bible study. You don't have to be. I took Bible study at a Lutheran church. I've never been Lutheran my entire life, but they took me in just like Jesus did and made me one of their own. And I didn't adapt their religion. But I sure learned a lot from them. Just have that philosophy. Go through life with a sense of curiosity. Behave in a state of exploration and discovery. Mm. I do know. I love it. I love you say curiosity. One of the founding, I would say, tenets of eternal optimism. Speaking of such, when I say the word eternal optimism, what might that mean to you? Really being resilient and never giving up in face of adversity Always stay positive. Everything still happens in my life. You know, I've got an aging mother that we help care for. I've got a daughter that's very ill with an inoperable brain tumor, by the way. But you know what? Even the day I learned about that, the fear never got into me at all. I didn't fear, didn't doubt. She's still here today. Living life. Still with it. It just comes from choosing to live in faith and live in trust. So being an eternal optimist is awesome. And I feel good about the world. I feel good about our country. I feel good about the economy. I know we're going to have some troubles. I can guarantee you we're going to have a recession. And I probably shouldn't say guarantee, but I can promise you we're going to have a recession. The challenge is how you react to it. So you're going to just have the wait and see attitude? No, don't do that. Don't panic. Prepare. Prepare for the recession, right? In fact, for all you agents out there, 
real estate agents, man, learn to work with investors. If you don't learn from me, figure it out somehow because that's what's going to carry you through a recession. And if you are an investor, might as well get your license. It's only going to make things easier for you. It did for me. It created all kinds of opportunities for income streams. But just having that attitude of being grateful every day I wake up, I don't care what happens. Stuff happens all the darn time. It just does. Cars, the computer broke down right in the middle of the episode here. <laughs> and I'm, I'm grateful because I had another computer that I believe God put that message in my head. Hey, take your other computer. So how do you can explain that? In any case, so just another lesson. And I think this is divine guidance that this happened when it happened to further emphasize that entire point. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely. Absolutely amazing. Everything you shared today and yet another opportunity for adversity that you're taking in stride in faith. And we love you. We appreciate you here. You've been amazing today in sharing of yourself oh, and just the eternal gratitude for everything you've done. I'll give you the last thought or the last saying. Is there any last nugget of wisdom or advice you'd share with anyone out there? I'll leave it wide open for you, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, take an extra moment to reach out to somebody and just say thank you. Tell somebody you love that you love them. And I want to do that now on this episode. I want to give a big thanks to Mike McCarthy. If you ever get to meet a man named Mike McCarthy, one of the most amazing human beings you will ever meet, consider yourself blessed. What had happened in that retreat in Sedona, Arizona in late 2014, where I was given an opportunity to meet someone who eventually bought the property management business that was in crisis. And the ability and the opportunity to teach all around the country came from that one man, Mike McCarthy, in one night at the end of that retreat. It's one of the true miracles of my life. Wouldn't have happened if Janai Lane had made sure I was there. She was the guide, and Mike was the angel who delivered that message that day. So thank you, Mike. And everybody out there listening, find out who your Mike is and tell him what you think. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.